My name is John Swan, uh, pastor here at Layton Campus, and thank you once again for coming out to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus with us this evening, and welcome to what is the third message in this four-part series entitled, He Will Be Called. Um, we are going to focus today on, on uh, Jesus, uh, pardon me, Isaiah's prophecy um, that he prophesied over 700 years before Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloth and placed in the manger. Um, and we're going to focus on this, this title, Prince of Peace, today. And speaking, speaking of peace, everyone just take a deep breath for me, okay? Breathe it in, good, good air in, bad air out, right? All right. Everybody made it here safely. You're, you're feeling good, and you look marvelous, by the way. You're much better than the last service. I use that joke on them, too. They didn't get much of a laugh. I shouldn't have used it again. But anyway, okay. Um, for, for a moment with me, let's just, let's just ponder Christmas past, maybe as a child, okay? Um, I'm, I'm sure this will provoke all sorts of, of memories. Um, for me, I remember thinking about that perfect Christmas, Right, which was essentially getting everything on my list. That was a Christmas that I wanted. Unfortunately, I got the Christmas I got, right? which was something less than everything on my list. I never got that hovercraft I wanted. So, you know, oh, actually, that, that reminds me of a story, a little story about, about my daughter. Uh, I was a young parent. Uh, my daughter was about four years old at this time, my oldest. And she had begin to really get into Christmas. I mean, she started talking a lot about, you know, the, the big guy with the red suit. And I have nothing against him, but I was a new Christian, and I was, uh, was going to make sure that we connected Christmas to Jesus, right? So every time this subject would come up, I would basically, I would basically kind of turn the, the conversation to this guy named St. Nicholas, who lived in real time, in real history, and he loved children, and he loved Jesus. So this went on for, you know, several, several months as my daughter Sydney was fired up about Christmas until Christmas morning came, and she, you know, runs downstairs. She tears through all of her gifts. Now, Valerie and I had taken her special gift, and we had put it to the side and, and hid it. Well, she didn't see this, so, so she's standing there, hands on her hips, looking around the room, a little disappointed, a little confused, and she says to me, Daddy, I, I know what must have happened. I said, really? Really, honey? What's that? She said, that St. Nicholas guy came instead of Santa Claus. <laughs> thought you'd like that one. And, and isn't this true for all of us? The Christmas that we want is in a real battle with the Christmas that we get. We want the beautiful tree, the, the wonderful decorations to show off our, our lovely homes to our Christmas guests. We, we want to, you know, take that perfect Christmas goose out of the oven and share a meal with friends and families and family members and, and then, you know, sing Christmas carols and exchange Christmas cheer and a few Christmas gifts to end the evening. But that's typically not the Christmas we get. The Christmas we get looks a little bit more like we forgot to water the tree and the needles all fell off of it. Our, uh, our Chris favorite Christmas sweater, the is out of batteries. Old Uncle Ernest, he shows up two hours early to our five o'clock 
Christmas gathering, and he's as obnoxious as ever, and I'm pretty sure he might have had a little too much to drink. And when you know it, we, we overcooked the Christmas goose. And so it's shaping up to look more like a Jerry Springer Christmas than the Martha Stewart Christmas we were, we were hoping for. Regardless, I think you can agree that there's the Christmas we want and the Christmas that we get, the Christmas we want with friends and family and the Christmas traditions, our favorite Christmas music, the lights and all the fancy decorations, and then there's the Christmas we get, the extra financial pressures, the, the emotional stress that the holidays can tend to exaggerate, the stress um, from family division and strife. And then this year we get, we get the holly jolly COVID Christmas, or rather the Grinch that stole Christmas. And all joking aside, COVID this year means that some people will spend Christmas alone or even mourning the loss of, of loved ones. Well, let's, let's transition and think a little bit about the, the first Christmas, okay? Now, it's natural to think that the first Christmas would have been the Christmas they wanted. We, we read in, in the book of Luke, For unto you a Savior is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. There were wise men traveling from great distances to present gifts by following this, this heavenly sign to the newborn king. Bright, bright lights and angel anthems. People, people uh, exclaim, uh, these angels exclaiming, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. But as amazing as all that was, the first Christmas, if we were to ask Mary and Joseph, I, I bet you they would tell us, it felt a little bit more like the Christmas they got than the Christmas they wanted. And can you imagine Mary, young Mary, nine months expecting, traveling 80 to 90 miles toward Bethlehem on, on a mule or on, on foot to, to, um, take, to, to, to take the census given by this oppressive Roman government. And then you guys know the story. There's, there's the... Baby Jesus born, there's no room in the inn. He's placed in a manger, literally an animal feeding trough. And a young family, soon to be on the run from King Herod, who ordered the slaughter of countless young boys under the age of two, that he might murder this brand new toddler king. This was the Christmas that they got. But there was something special about this Christmas. Indeed, it's the reason we're here today. It's the reason we're celebrating. God delivered the greatest gift the world would ever know on this first Christmas. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, born to save his people from their sin. Let's take a look at our verse in Isaiah where he describes this child king, again, 700 years before he entered the world. Isaiah 9, 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to focus now on this, on this title, Prince of Peace. So, 
This title in the original language was Shalom. Now, Shalom is different than the peace we know. For, for us today, we think of peace, we tend to think of peace as just a, a lack of, of conflict. Um, so this would be like when your uh, micromanaging boss takes a long vacation or when the kids, when they go to bed or when you're standing in the driveway waving to your in-laws goodbye after they've overstayed for about three days. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. You get in trouble. That's, that's not shalom, though. That's much too shallow for shalom. It means, shalom means to make things whole. It means to make things complete. It means to restore things as they ought to be, to heal that which is fractured or broken. Which brings us to our, our first point. Jesus has come to bring us, to bring you complete peace, complete shalom. Let's look at what Jesus said here in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what's the underlying presumption here? Obviously, we can presume that Jesus wants to give us peace because he says so. But there's, there's something else going on here. And the presumption is that in a broken world with sin and death, we can expect some real heart-troubling circumstances, can't we? And the point is, is that Jesus didn't bring us a worldly kind of peace. He doesn't promise a lack of conflict or trouble, but what he offers is a peace that carries us through the trouble, through the tribulation. He offers a calming reassurance that he will make things whole even when they're falling apart all around you. Have you experienced this kind of peace? It's a peace that impacts your life here and now as well as in all eternity. Jesus offers a peace that will begin to transform us from the inside out. It will heal our broken hearts and mend relationships. And as promised, trouble will come. Tribulations will come. And this isn't a word we, we use often today, tribulation, but I, I looked it up and here's a few synonyms. Tribulation, affliction, agony, misery, pain, torment, torture, and travail. So what Jesus offers us, loved ones, is a supernatural shalom, a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace that rests on us even when, by all reasonable circumstances, it shouldn't. Let's look again to the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3 here. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you possess this kind of peace? Have you experienced it? Do you know this 
peace? Have you trusted the Prince of Peace? To possess this type of peace, this type of complete peace, this shalom, we must know the Prince of Peace. You see, the only way to experience true peace in this broken creation with these broken creatures next to you and ones you work with and ones in your neighborhood is by first making peace with your creator. But you see, we have a serious problem here because even though we desire to have this peace, God will absolutely not accept our peace agreement. He won't accept our terms of a peace agreement, that is. God's word declares that we have all gone our way and sinned against God, our loving creator. And the Bible declares that the wages or what we have earned from our sin is death. Specifically, eternal death. Death and torment forever separated from the God who created us and loves us. And he will not accept our efforts, however sincere they are, no matter how many acts of kindness and service you lay before him, God is just and he must render a just verdict. And we, friends, are guilty as charged. Again, there is no peace on our own terms, so what we get instead of peace with God is a hostility with God. But loved ones, here is the amazing news, the good news, and the reason, again, that we are here to celebrate and to worship Jesus. God also is merciful, loving, and gracious. So God came to earth. Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, came to earth to broker a peace deal on our behalf. God has literally come down from heaven to offer us his terms of peace for all who will seek peace Again, on his terms, not their own. For any who will turn to Jesus and believe that his payment for their sin and resurrection from the dead are completely and totally sufficient for their forgiveness and everlasting life. Not based, again, on our own efforts to earn God's peace, but based 100% on faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. This is shalom, a total peace, and peace with God is indeed attainable. Let's look to 2 Corinthians 5.19 to see what God has done for us. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. That's fantastic news. God's love and grace toward us is beyond what we can comprehend. He has come to earth to transfer the justice of God toward our hostility and sin to himself on the cross. He rose from the dead to offer us dead sinners like you and me, life everlasting. This is the gospel of peace, and this indeed is the Christmas that we need. Final point. Jesus wants his peace to flow through us. For those who have trusted in Jesus, 
He wants this supernatural peace to flow through us. We all know people who are in desperate need of peace with God, just as we once, once were. People anywhere on the spectrum from hurting and hungry for God's truth to hostile and happy that they don't have it. Let's look again to God's word. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in God's Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is heavy. This verse has serious implications. Have we believed on the Son? And have we resolved to obey the Son Friends, let me assure you, there is no possibility of a better outcome for your life than to believe and obey the Son of God. As Christ followers, we have a responsibility and an honor and really a privilege to offer God's peace, his gospel to others, to make disciples, as Jesus commanded, to introduce them to the Prince of Peace God's word tells us to be resolved to honor Christ in our hearts, to be at peace with everyone we can when at all possible, and to always have a reason to give for the hope we have in Christ with, with gentleness and respect. Well, how do, we, how do we do that? Again, we can look to God's word. Colossians puts it well. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. God wants his peace to flow through us to those who are far from God to help him, to help them come to know him, the King of Peace. So this Christmas, may, may our focus not be on the Christmas that we wanted or the Christmas that we're getting, but indeed let us focus on the Christmas that we need. Whatever you are experiencing this Christmas, our hope is that through a relationship with the Prince of Peace, you will be filled with his shalom. Now, if, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus and you don't have this peace, we want you to know that he is offering it to you. Whether you think you're someone who potentially is, is, doesn't, doesn't need a Savior, is too good for, for, for God's uh, what, what he is offering you for this eternal life, or you're someone who thinks that you're too bad to deserve it, friends, know that this peace is for you. The gospel is for you. And if you are here and you are in a relationship with Jesus, would you be as vulnerable as that baby in a manger, step out in faith and obedience to allow God's peace and his mighty gospel flow through you to others?
Let's pray.